Hi, welcome to uh, Phantom Fever, where we're going to be going over some of our topics of the day. Uh, this is going to be an in-between podcast between the major releases of Blue Band Films. Uh, so guys, uh, I am Kurt, I'm the new guy, and we're going to be going over some of the things that uh, you guys have done this week. So, Blue Band, big release this week, nerd, you guys have been working on this forever. How are you guys feeling about that? Great, my name is Andrew, uh, and then you know David on the channel. Uh-huh. Okay, nerd... Very, very interesting. It's been a long time in the making for this. Very exciting that it's been released. And I'm very happy with the final product. I'm very happy that I won. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so, yeah, we spent a long time doing this. It's finally out. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, It's on our channel right now. Go check it out. And uh, let's get into the first topic. Well, here, I thought you were going to ask about the DLC for the new characters. All right, (laughs) so... uh... Before we get into the really good stuff, we just want to say something that's a little more down-to-earth, so to speak. Uh, the Blue Angels, most of you may be aware of the uh, famous U.S. Navy stunt team. They've been to a lot of different air shows over the years. Um, and they are a group of some of the most precise pilots in the world. Uh, they were actually showing off a video online uh, from the Navy's own YouTube channel of their perspective when they were doing the flyover for the Super Bowl this year. And it was like about... 20 feet between where the pilot was and the bottom of the jet above them. So the stuff these guys can do is amazing. um, One of the pilots, Captain Jeff Coos, he was killed, unfortunately, in a training exercise for the Nashville Air Show. We're just sorry for his family and loved ones and hope that they are able to continue with their amazing work over the next few years. Uh, So on to some better stuff. Uh, Star Trek. So, uh, a lot of people may have seen the first two movies of the Star Trek reboot. They pretty much covered very familiar territory. They covered the motion picture for somewhat. They definitely covered 2 and 3, the Wrath of Khan and the Search for Spock. But this new one, Star Trek Beyond, uh, was written by Simon Pegg, and they're going in a very different direction. And it's actually being produced by uh, Justin Lin, who is the Fast and the Furious director. So you can expect a lot of explosions on here. Not Michael Bay level, you know, but it's still going to have that uh, lens flare everywhere. You can probably expect, so have fun with that. So, uh, <laughs> what do you guys think? Did you like the first two? Okay, uh, despite the fact that I'm very, very big into Star Wars, actually this might not be despite the fact, I was never into Star Trek at all, to the point where me and my friends, who also were never into Star Trek, played the online game, going in completely blind and not understanding any of it. So the movies are our only, like, understanding of the entire Star Trek universe as a whole. That being said, I like the first one. I like the second one better. I understand that there were references in the second one and possibly the first one that I just didn't understand because I wasn't a big Star Wars... Sorry, Star Trek fan. That would get hate if I said that. Uh, anyway. Uh, By the way, email to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, uh, I liked the first two. I, because I'm not a big Star Trek fan, I don't, like, know what any of the big, like, story arcs from the shows there were. So, truth be told, as long as they're interesting like the first two are, I think the third one's just gonna be good. It, uh, in fact, a perfect example of me, the first two movies were my introduction to the Star Trek world, and they're the ones that got me into wanting to play the game, like the online game, for the first time, to really un- enter the world, and also watch the shows themselves, to understand like all the other stuff I was missing. So, if the third one can continue to capture that imagination thing of wanting to see more, then it's just going to succeed. I think something that's really interesting about the new Star Trek films is that... I believe J.J. Abrams made Star Trek into Star Wars. And I think that he got... I think he got a much broader audience from that. Um, bringing like people who never cared about Star Trek before into it. But at the same time, I think he really, really upset the actual Star Wars fans. Because even though... Uh, Star Trek? Wow, we're, people are yeah. going to hate us. No, no, I caught myself. You're, you're done for now. The point is that, like you said, it is much more of a space opera now, but even so, it's never going to hit that Star Wars mark just because, and I'm probably going to get killed by it for this, but 
Star Wars technically is not science fiction. Star Wars is science fantasy. Because of the topics that um, Star Wars covers, a way that they you know, manipulate certain things, it doesn't, it's not totally grounded in science like Star Trek The Next Generation was, like some of the other things were. Um, now that being said, if you were to compare it to DS9, for example, Deep Space Nine, that I could say much, much more, uh, eh, wow, talk good, yes. Uh, <laughs> Deep Space Nine was a lot more like Star Wars in the fact that they expanded out on what was already treaded on so many times. Yeah, but uh, going off that, like, I, most Star Trek fans really enjoyed the first one, but they were a little bit... Uh, taken aback by the fact that it was in a different universe and they never exactly uh grabbed onto that and then and then <laughs> for those of you who can't see once he started talking about different universe both <laughs> me and kurt just like put our hands up like we've got something to say about this yeah uh, we've got a different timeline going on here so yes. that's, that's what allowed leonard nimoy to come in and have two spots at the same time I think it's absolutely beautiful that they did that. No, I do too. Okay. Be like, just, uh, let me put it this way. It makes, like, it doesn't invalidate any of the shows, and it doesn't invalidate itself. It, it gives it a proper handoff. Like yeah. Like, it, it has its own perfect place in the entire multi-timeline mm -hmm. of Star Trek as its own existential er, existential words. Right. Yes. Thing. And anybody that says that, you know, no, we can't have different timelines in Star Trek. Have you ever seen the movies? Have you seen the episodes in there? How many times they mucked with the timeline? No. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coming back to what Andrew was saying. The, the only point that I was trying to say is, even though it seems like they let the first one go through, once they got to the second one, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is panned by the fans. Which is weird, because I thought that was a great movie. That being said, are you a Star Trek fan? No, but I am a Star Wars fan. Well, let me be perfectly... <laughs> that being said, let me be perfectly honest. Uh, as a very big, big fan of Star Wars, I was a little bit upset. Okay, I, I'm, I'm definitely being a little bit toned down when I say a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I was upset when they got rid of the Expanded Universe because they were, ch they, they were changing something that I had loved growing up. The problem that Star Trek fans probably have with Into Darkness, I'm not a Star Trek fan, so I shouldn't be talking for them. The problem that they probably have is it changes too much of what Star Trek is. Coming from a person who doesn't understand Star Trek, I'm pretty sure it's more of an exploration thing than a grand, grand like, one adventure type thing. It is the... I don't have any pseudo or any parallels to this, but... They aren't just sticking with a single storyline that this this happened. It must not be touched. This is canon. It cannot be modified in any way, shape, or form. Um, and yeah, I get what you're saying on that. But something about the Star Wars side is that, especially with the things that have been coming up for Rogue One, they've been pulling in elements, bits and pieces from the expanded universe. And that's why I got over it. <laughs> right. And there's actually a lot of talk that the big bad in this film is going to be pulled directly off of uh, Admiral Thrawn from the Thrawn series. Really? Well, they brought in the white... The Chrome Trooper. Right. No, no not the the, uh, the white uniform for the ultra-high ranking official. Oh. Now, the big thing with that was that Thrawn was an alien. He was the only alien to achieve that level of you know rank yeah. within the Empire. This guy is supposed to be a director or something, and he is a human, but... He's also getting his hands dirty. He's seen on the battlefields. He's seen walking through muck and water up to a beach that there was an ATAT or ATCAT or whatever they're calling this one, you know, three seconds earlier. So he's a very different type of commander. But going into expanded universe stuff, going into that level of canon ex uh, enhancement. We'll go with that. Canon enhancement. Right. There was an Indiegogo campaign, a Kickstarter, um, last year for a fan film at a pr professional grade movie level. And that got all of its cash. So they were going through, they were doing all this great stuff. But the thing was that Paramount brought out, you know, you guys are getting a little too close. We don't want you to do this. You know, we don't want you to use our names, anything on it. It's not sanctioned. So, okay. But they weren't going to put the kibosh on it. They weren't going to put the brakes to it. 
So what these guys did was they changed the name, they changed very specific things, just slightly in a lot of cases, but as a result still, Paramount still put a copyright infringement suit against them earlier this year, and that was going to be the end of it. But in an interview, I believe this was two weeks ago, at one of the, one of the first press events for Star Trek Beyond, J.J. Uh, Abrams was saying that uh, Justin Lin had seen what was going on. He said, you know, these are, this is our customer base. Why are we making them mad at us? <laughs> so they, with his wishes, they killed the lawsuit. The, both sides weren't really ready to announce that yet, but it looks like it's going to be a good thing for everybody involved. And some of the elements that were in there, like they were using the same color uniforms. They were using some of the same style of technology the same basic terminology so i can kind of see where they're going from but at the same time this is easy safe uh, this is safe area stuff the, this if nothing else it qualifies under parody i haven't actually not being a star trek fan i have heard nothing of the fan film myself so i don't have, really have anything to interject with uh well, well, how do you feel about uh, when people get together? I mean, we make fan films. Yes, we do. What, how do you? I mean, well, how? Would what you... was the name of that fan film? Where you can? Where can you find that? That the name of the fan film was Aunt 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 May Spider Man fan film <laughs> at go plus dot. Okay, so that was the eyes of May. <laughs> yeah, that or... was eyes of May. Spider Man eyes of May, and, and you that can, can find be... that at <laughs> Blue Band Films on YouTube. Ding. question question mark <laughs> okay but yeah yeah like so i mean and yeah. we're and we're gonna we have plans to make fan films in the future so yeah. like so how's, how would it make you feel if all of a sudden just we get to the point where like, bam like we're actually making it and then bam just copyright infringement so uh, i don't know i'd feel a little bit salty you know <laughs> salty 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 with the a word. stick <laughs> I'd feel a little, a, a little bit, you know, unhappy, probably. But wh where do you, where do you think that line is, where a fan film treads to the point where a film becomes so professional that, like, a studio should look at them and say, you know what, I think we should jump in here. I don't, I don't think that professionalism should have. Well, this is a weird. Hear me out. I don't think professionalism on its own is what should warrant a copyright strike against, like, to, to shut it down. What should shut it down is if it's too much like the original source material that it's trying to emulate. The amount of work put into it should in no way have anything to do with that. Like, as long as it's making sure that it is safe, and, like, safe enough to not be too much like the thing that it's trying to emulate, then that should be, like, where the copyright stands. Well, here's a question. No, go ahead. Phil. Okay. Here, here's a question. Like, we have um, the film, uh, the Darth Maul Star Wars film. And then we have, like, we have these, a lot of, which, by the way, you should check that out. There's this Darth Maul short film, and it is incredible. But, like, you have these scenes that are literally, like, Hollywood quality coming out that are not getting shut down for copyright. But then you have other things that are. And what is the difference between them? Why are certain ones getting shut down, but certain ones aren't? Part of that is that it's a commercial product. They're making money off of this. These guys, yes, they did a Kickstarter, but they're going to want to sell DVDs. They're going to want to sell props and things that they did on this, you know, to get some of that funding back together again to make another one. And so that's the first thing. Are they making money off this? The second thing, timing. Because, like we've just said, Star Trek Beyond is coming out this year. They believed, and possibly so, that something very similar coming out could put the brakes on some of their stuff. Uh, the third is um, if it causes damage to the brand. And this is something that we've seen in the past, especially going back to the expanded universe for Star Wars. There were umpteen zillion Star Wars novels put out <laughs> during that time frame, during a 30-year time frame. But each of those had to fall within specific limits. Uh, Lucas himself put out saying, okay, you could do like five years plus beyond the end of Jedi and 40 years plus before A New Hope. There were guidelines set up for this. Do not touch this. You do not touch the trio. You do not touch the events 
before and after the movies. You just stay within these guidelines, and we have final say on what goes on, and you're fine. You know, we'll do some kind of licensing deal, we'll get a cut off the top, and you're fine. And Amazon actually was doing a uh, deal. They have their own official fanfic section now. <laughs> um, that they have had a ton of those stories uh, sold off for movie rights now. You know, ever since some of the uh, movies that are not a part of the <laughs> never mind canon, movies that are not a part of the coverage of this show came out. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, there are certain rules that just has to be laid out, you know, industry-wide. If you're going to be doing something that's extended the universe to expand it, uh, just make sure that everybody's on board with it first. Okay, uh, coming into the second section, unless anybody has anything more about Star Trek. Uh, we can move on. What's a Star Trek? Okay, so, on uh, the... moving on to Marvel. I was, I'm going to be honest. I was about to make a really bad joke there. I was about to be like, on or now onto a real fandom, and now and for then, something completely different. And then I would have exploded everyone, like You're... all of the hate would have come towards me. Yes. Hi, welcome to the My Little Pony podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so now we're going to be talking about Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Why do you always do that? And now we're gonna. Come... <laughs> Okay, okay well, for those of you who can't see, a lot of the time when he does that, he always, like, takes his arm and just sort of swings it for a sec. Yeah, hi-ho, like, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. Okay, on to Marvel. <laughs> so, talking about Marvel. Um, Brie Larson was just cast as Captain Marvel. What do you guys think about that? I didn't know until today who Brie Larson was, so. Right, and a lot of the main characters, I mean, for Marvel have been relatively unknowns. They've been very well qualified unknown, so even uh, Brie Larson, she is an Oscar-winning actress. But that being said, the only thing I have seen her in was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, and for anybody that doesn't know who she is still, uh, she was Envy Adams. She was Scott's ex and the singer in the band, and she was very good. I mean, she, she was an astonishing actor. Uh, I definitely liked her. I haven't seen her do much, but um, at least from like clips and stuff, I... Marvel chooses talent. Yes. They they find... Marvel, so far, look at Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Perfect casting. If you ask me, in my opinion, perfect casting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, shouldn't we just trust Marvel with whatever they say at this point? Well, there are... <laughs> no. Trust Marvel. Marvel knows best. All hail Marvel. Be- All hail Marvel. Believe in the mouse. The mouse will set you free. <laughs> Resistance okay. is smushy. Um, well, especially for Captain Marvel, there have been a lot of fan favorites for this. And I'm going to get killed by the comments for saying this, but there was an actress in Battlestar Galactica that uh, she played Starbuck. She was the front runner for this because she was just excellent. There have been a couple of uh, professional wrestlers that have been in the mix too that were believed to be well on their way to this, so... We will see what happens in a several years when the movie comes out, and I believe she'll be in uh, at least one, if not both, of the Infinity Wars, whatever they end up being titled. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we'll find out in 2019, or 2018? 20... Yes, we will find <laughs> out multiple years from now if yeah. the casting was correct. But to okay. be honest, I, I can no longer see anyone but Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Oh, yeah. He, I can't he see, is Tony Stark. I can't see anybody but Chris Evans as uh, Captain America. Mm-hmm. I definitely can't see anybody but Star... Or, but, uh... What was the actual name of Star-Lord's... Uh, of Star, Star-Lord's Peter character? Peter Quill? Or... Like, the actor. Uh, oh, the one uh, from Fox and Recreation. Yes, oh, him. Yeah. I can no longer see anybody but him as Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. Like Andrew said... Marvel chooses talent, mm-hmm. and thus far they have not chosen anyone that I disliked. I mean, they chose Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury mm-hmm. before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was even a thing, back in when uh, Marvel Ultimate was, uh, was happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, as much as I definitely believe that Robert Downey Jr. is a perfect Iron Man, and really I do not want to see him go, um, I think he's fantastic. But eventually we are going to have to get to the point when he will have to leave. No, and that will never happen. 
<laughs> well, actors never die. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll keep just backing up the truck to Robert Downey Jr. and you'll just keep doing it, just keep dumping the money on him. Yes. But... Well, he is the anchor upon which their entire empire is built, and yes. his paycheck shows that. I, but... I mean, I'll be honest though, he did like end up on the ground in front of Chris Evans. Like, in the last movie. So, you know, that anchor, I think, has just been taken over by Captain America. But if uh, Robert Downey Jr. There's actually something interesting about that. Ooh. Okay, going on, Andrew. Robert Downey Jr., if he had to be recasted, what do you guys think of Leonardo DiCaprio? You mean Iron Man? And also, no. No? First off, recasting Tony Stark is not an option. (laughs) Recasting Iron Man is a different option. Well, yes. Entirely. And um, that has already been proven. Iron, the Iron Man uh, title has been passed multiple times to different characters. Uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier. Um, no, not Winter Soldier. Falcon, definitely, has Fal- been Iron Falcon's Man. Falcon's been Iron Man? I thought Falcon was Captain America. No, Falcon I, is Iron Man right now. I th- no, he's Captain America No, he's America Captain right America. Fal- you, Falcon you've gone is insane. Captain America. <laughs> you've gone insane. I'm thinking War Machine, maybe? Yes, okay. War Machine's right. not and, been and Iron Regardless, Man. there have okay. been multiples. There have been yes. multiple people in the Iron Man suits, because War Machine has a suit. Norman Osborn had the Iron Patriot suit. I don't think that there has been another Iron Man himself. There hasn't. Now, that being said... Even the new that, Iron Man, he's not... That being he, said... Sorry. Like, I don't, I don't mean that to be rude. I mean, that being said... <laughs> Who says that the Marvel Cinematic Universe can't start that trend of having a new man take the the Iron Man mantle? It's a lot easier for Captain America, though, because, like you were saying, Cap- yeah. the Falcon is currently Captain America, along with Steve Bucky. Rogers, who is still Captain America. That's yeah. confusing in the comics right now. Right. Uh, so, back to the thing I was trying to say on there. Oh. Um, just for right now, uh, after the events of Civil War, spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, but it's been out for a while. Steve Rogers, after the breakout at their prison, uh, they are now formally the Secret Avengers. And so you have Tony's regular Avengers and the unleaded version over on this side. And they're still going to be doing their thing, but they aren't really going to be seeing each other at all until they all have to come back together again in Infinity War. Something big enough to make them say, you know, we have to do this. We have to have something because this is bigger than anybody. I like calling uh, the Avengers after the events of Age of Ultron the new Avengers just because that works. it makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the new Avengers worked as... Because aside from Black Widow and Steve, and Steve Rogers' Captain America, all the Avengers were new. And then after the events of Civil War, aside from Black Widow and Iron Man, all the Avengers were new. So uh, moving on to... Uh, talking about Captain America comic books, uh, it was just released recently that uh, in a uh, bu- bubble, talking bubble, that um, Captain America is Hydra. He said, Hail Hydra. And the internet exploded. Oh boy, did the internet explode. I don't read Captain America because I think Captain America is boring, but oh boy, how many people sent me Captain America saying Hail Hydra and they're all like, oh dude, did you see this? Did you see what they just did to Captain America? And And I'm like, no, I didn't. That's the exact reason why they did it though because (laughs) Captain America comic sales are low and they're like, well, we need to do something. Okay, Hail Hydra. I think it's a little bit uh, deeper than that. You want to know something else that happened or that's happening at the same time as Captain America? DC, Rebirth. Is right. happening and at the same that time. That took all the wind out of their sails. Yeah, because the DC was getting really like into Rebirth, and that was all they were talking about. Marvel realized we need something to make people talk about us more. Captain America saying "Hail Hydra!" right there, boom. One panel, two words. Yeah. Watch the money come in. That being said, uh, are we allowed to spoil comics? Uh, I have not actually read the comics yet. I'm talking about Rebirth. I haven't read the comics yet. <laughs> I don't think we probably should spoil Okay. If you can kind of dance okay, around I'll it. I'll dance around it. Uh, the end of Rebirth makes it a, a world crossover between DC's universe and uh, something else without talking about right. it. And, like, even though that happened, like, it, that was really big. And when you find out what universe it is, it's, like, mind-blowing amazing for, like, comic book fans. But uh, even that was overshadowed by two words 
Hail Hydra. The thing that most people don't understand is that this is comics. They mess with you constantly. <laughs> How many times has Superman died over the past 20 years? 25 years? How many Once. times has Spider-Man died? Oh, like, twice. I'm so sick of... I think Spider-Man's died more than twice. Nope, he died in Ultimate, and he died in uh, his own... right, Like, right before turning into Superior. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he only died twice. Uh, Do Superman... you count Ben Riley? No. Okay, if we're counting different multiverse <laughs> Spider-Man, then Continue. we have to. Then there's all of the Edge of Spider-Verse. That okay, we have we'll, to count. we'll do an easier thing then. How many times has Optimus Prime died? <laughs> I don't. Who? Yeah. So what? the point is, every time it happens, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know. So yes, this will happen. This did happen, but there is a reason behind it. Normally, comic book writers plan more than three panels ahead. <laughs> this will take its course. I'm going to be perfectly honest. People are freaking out a lot about this because they think that this is a permanent thing that is going to continue with Captain America forever. And it's been a little bit... It sounds like that because of the way that the person who wrote the comic said, this is Steve Rogers. He's not being mind-controlled. It's not a clone. No one's talking through him. What they didn't say is that he wasn't a double agent. Right. Like... When they didn't say that right then, I'm like, even when I heard it originally, I'm like, he's probably just tricking Hydra because they wouldn't take, like, Captain America Steve Rogers and make him a bad guy just so spontaneously like that with no, like, real rhyme or reason for it. Cause if he there would always, have to be a game plan. Like, if he was always a part of Hydra, there were better moments, man. <laughs> why would he have done this? I mean, we go back, why would he have never even, uh, done the whole punching Hitler in the face thing yeah, 37 times. Exactly. Like, he... It, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. And given the amount of time that status quo is shaken and not stirred, eh, uh, <laughs> there's no way that th this is going to remain a thing unless they're trying to forcibly make Sam Wilson's uh, uh, Captain America the ultimate... Definitive. Like, the definitive, the definitive yeah. Captain America. Which, to be honest... I want them to do that. I don't want them to ruin Steve Rogers' entire legacy because of it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, last thing I'm just going to say, and then we're going to move on to the next topic, is that Chris Evans uh, got on his Twitter and said, Say it's not so. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just think that's kind of funny. Say um, it ain't so. Okay, so moving on to the next topic. And copyright hit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> don't, don't worry, it wasn't a popular song anyway. <laughs> Dude, you're gonna get killed. You're gonna get creep, man. Okay, moving on to again. That is Dave at. It's <laughs> uh, gonna be a thing. I should just get a uh, an email that's just Dave at. <laughs> so we can make it at Dave. It's gonna be my. It's gonna be my Twitter, Dave at. So moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yes. Peter Quill's father has been casted as Kurt Russell. Who? Uh, Kurt Russell. You don't know Kurt Russell? I probably do. What What is he in? Everything. Yeah. Okay. Narrow Kurt Russell down. is awesome. Narrow it down for one role. Okay. Um, have you seen like Escape from New York, Escape from L.A.? No. Uh. Okay. Put a picture of Kurt Russell. On the thing. Oh, him! Okay, he's old. Uh, he looks enough like... What is the name of the guy that is playing Star-Lord right now? Like, the guy from Parks and Recreations. He... I, lo I always liked him because he came from humble beginnings and, like, he, he was living off out of his car at one point. But I cannot for the life of me remember his name right now. Uh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I was going to stop and just have you just ramble on and on and on, but we do have to get <laughs> moving at some point. But yeah, okay. Uh, he looks enough like Chris Pratt to play uh, Star-Lord's father, so that's good. Right, and let me see. We were also trying to figure out, though, who he actually is, because nobody's actually said what the name of his character is yet. It's either Starhawk or uh, Adam Warlock. Star... Adam Warlock. Oh, dear. Starhawk, I was about to say, was a pretty silly name but adam warlock welcome to the wonderful world of marvel where kevin feige the uh president uh or 
the okay. guy who's running the cinematic universe basically says, oh, you've never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, we're going to make you, and I mean, you're going to like it. <laughs> it I, actually, I sort of almost hope that his name is Adam Warlock. That's the name of the character right. in the comic, or a character. Yeah, well, they already cast his counterpart, um, Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, I hope I said that right. As um, She was actually uh, Victoria in The Man from U.N.C.L.E. Great movie. Un- very underappreciated. You should go rent it. Um, you pointed at me. <laughs> no, I was pointing, I have... at, I was pointing oh. at the thing. Oh, okay. I thought you were pointing at me like, I've seen this movie. <laughs> the um, mic is the audience. The mic is the audience. Yeah. I'm pointing menacingly at the audience. Okay. But again, this character that she's cast as also has kind of had a lot of names dropped. Aisha and Aisha. Kismet. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah, she is Adam Warlock's counterpart. <laughs> Adam Warlock! I'm never going to hear that without <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and what else? Like, um, we have to go in and defeat the boss of the dungeon. Well, uh, yeah, Where Mo- it is I, Mr. Warlock. What's your first name? Adam. <laughs> so mo- uh, moving on to the um, to Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, a film coming out next year. Michael Barberi, he is uh, 14 years old, and he is supposed to be playing a technically like a combination of Harry Osborn and Gank from the Spider-Man Miles Morales comics. So that means that uh, he's going to be playing the uh, well, definitely a friend of Peter Parker, but he's also he might know his secret identity, and he he he's going to be a closer friend to Peter than we've seen in previous films. So are we talking actual friend or frenemy or anti-hero? We're talking actual friend. Okay. Actual friend. Also, he, uh, the actor, is also playing in the Dark Tower as Timmy. And that's going to be something interesting because I've read the Dark Tower series, uh, Stephen King. If you have a lot of time on your hands, you should check that out. Um, But it kind of suffers from, you know, dink, 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 bong. You know, as far as length of the books Pacing? go. Oh. I mean, the first length. one starts out as about, you know, 200, 300 pages. By the end of it, it's a book that you could, you know, beat oh, somebody over the head with. Oh, you know, just a moderate, like, modest 200 or 300. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't remember this character in there. I could really be missing something, but he should be a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to this because... As Spider-Man is going younger, they're giving this film a much younger feel. And, uh, I mean, Tom Holland did such a good job in Spider-Man Civil War. I'm sure this film is going to be fantastic. Captain America. Although, it probably could be because as much as it was Captain America's movie, it was really overshadowed by Spider-Man and Black Panther. I, this is a topic for... Like, this is totally off topic, but I disagree. I think Captain America still held the spotlight as much as he could. He was totally overshadowed when Spider-Man appeared, but Spider-Man only appeared in two scenes specifically for that reason. And it helped balance the tone. Yeah. Um, Moving on to the next, uh, still in Marvel, uh, Namor, the first mutant of the Marvel um, Universe, comic universe. And the Aquaman of the Marvel Universe. Yes. And a really annoyed guy. <laughs> um, has The rights have just returned to Marvel. So what do you guys think that, that, that they could do with that character? All right, well, my first thing on this was, and I completely forgot about a couple other guys, but the fact that they have said outright that he is a mutant, you know, that has been a big deal. They haven't even been allowed to use that word <laughs> for a very long time. Um, and that's caused huge problems with them on shield why they brought in the inhumans uh that actually led to uh at least in part killing off of the spider-man not not spider-man um the fantastic four comic series wow i'm really bad in the thousands tonight (laughs) and but the fact that they have been so adamant and the fact that he is who he is that that's gonna be some interesting times okay yeah i'm gonna be i'm just gonna be the one to say it i don't think namor is interesting i think that he is a fish man what he is a fish man what? but the big deal is that he is somebody 
that the X-Men have had a lot of dealings with. He has been trying to be recruited by both sides. He's worked as a hero and a villain and a hero again in the same storyline. Yes. Um, he's been a part of the Illuminati. Okay. Um, now we're getting into interesting territory. He is a linchpin character. Okay. That's weird. Uh, if he's a linchpin character, then how are they going to have him be... I mean, I, I, I'm asking you to, like, right. tell me the weird intricacies of Marvel's cinematic universe, but, uh, I wonder how they're going to use Namor. Are they going to use him as a linchpin character in the cinematic universe, or are they just going to make him Fishman? I think that they're actually going to bring in Namor to possibly be a villain for um, one of the movies, because Namor, um, Namor has been basically kind of a villain to some of the heroes, um, and... I mean, I think he's kind of just like Aquaman, but really cool with a really cool backstory. And then another thing going off with Namor is now they have every single Illuminati member except for Mr. Fantastic. What in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was the Illuminati for those It who was don't know? four high ranking, extremely intelligent characters uh, Professor X, Namor, Mr. Fantastic, and I forget the other one. Black Panther. I forgot Black about. Panther. I forgot about um, Professor X. But right, and the the idea was that these guys were the ones that set Hulk into space to start uh, Planet Hulk. There we go. These are the guys that have pulled all kinds of extremely high level, extremely influential events across Marvel for decades. Um, this led to something. And I was actually doing some uh, reading on this. The that led to something called the Council of Reeds. Uh, it the was Council like of Reed. right. It was like five thousand Reed Richards in a you know interdimensional space. So I was like saying, okay, we all want to destroy the universe. How are we going to do that? <laughs> How many Reed Richards does it take to screw in a light bulb? None, because Reed Richards is still useless, no matter how many there are. Except if he's wearing two Infinity Gauntlets. Oh, that, that happened. Is, uh huh. Oh, that's more than one Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, we could have a whole podcast just on that. Uh-huh. The history of Reed Richards. Um, that's interesting. Okay. okay, going into something that's equally as hilarious as Reed Richards with two Infinity Gauntlets. Yay, multiverse. The entire existence of Captain Cold as a character. And now, he's been blown up outside of time and exists through all time and space of the CW uh, Universe. DC universes, right. which is Flash, Arrow... Uh, right, he's a CW regular now. Yeah. Who will be showing up in Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. And despite the fact that he's actually a pretty interesting character, mm-hmm. as far as I've seen him, they're still calling him Captain Cold. And I I just, I can't say that name without smiling because it's so cheesy. I love the Golden Arrow. Yeah, welcome to the Flash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the fact that they've actually kind of made him an anti-hero. Right, and he's really, especially over Legends, and even across Flash itself, he's done some really interesting stuff. But he's always had his own agenda, he's always had his own code, he's done things that are good for his own reasons, he's done bad stuff for his own reasons, but he always, he maintains himself. And that's kind of interesting. So, uh, there's been some ideas, and I don't know if you guys have heard this about this or not, but that he's going to become the Anti-Monitor. Just what? Um, somebody that exists across all time and space, exists outside of time, has powers that relate to that. So think about that. Somebody that's lived as a human that suddenly has the powers of Apocalypse as his peak. And that doesn't have to depend on a regeneration chamber, can be anywhere at once. So but basically, like, he, he's a time traveler. He's a time lord. Yeah, time lord. Oh, that's interesting. Captain Cold. They gave that to Captain Cold. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not well, knocking the dude because the dude, the character is actually interesting. I just love the name. I can't get over cheesy comic book names. Well, let me put it like this: those two guys, Fire and Cold, they were so good on Legends that when the trailer came out for the new Prison Break, I actually went back and started watching the first season because they worked together in a very, very good way. Something real quick. So Supergirl has now gone on to the CW. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to change the show? Because it's definitely going to bring the budget down a little bit. But right. And one of their main actresses 
uh, Callista Flockhart, I believe. Yes. Um, she's kind of still up in the air about whether she's going to relocate to Vancouver, which is where CW films these shows. Uh, so if they don't have her, it's going to lower the budget. But the fact that everybody's going to be there all in one place, they can you know piggyback off each other's budgets and things. It may not be a shiny, you know, but uh, like we've seen with Legends, they can pull off a lot if they can do it in just the right way. So as far as production values go, I'm not sure it'll affect them that much. And if anything, it'll improve what they can do story-wise. Because there's some things you just cannot do on a major network. Yeah, I think I think Flash can get weird. I love that Flash can get into some of the more comic book things uh, and time travel and stuff like that. This is going to open... Cold. Yeah. Captain like, Cold. I believe that this is going to open up a lot of doors for Supergirl to actually become a better show. And they actually said um, that it seems like there is a changing of direction at DC, at Warner Brothers, about how they're handling certain characters now. Because Superman is coming into Supergirl on camera. What? Wait, Which, what? Doesn't what? that put Superman in the same universe as the Flash, or do I have that wrong? Well, they're still counting on her being on Earth 3. Okay. You know, it's still a different reality. The fact is that they're now starting to get, this is its own set of realities. This does not have to affect the films. You can do whatever you want to in this own little world, and then it may affect the movies, it may not. But the point is, you can still use the characters and have it be safe. And if Superman's coming in there, that means that a whole bunch of stuff opens up. You know, they could possibly bring back uh, Task Force X. They could probably bring in Batman. Yeah. You know, they could they could bring some of the heavy hitters in. That's very interesting. Speaking of DC shifting gears, oh boy. Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. No, it's not a video game, but they're trying to make it better like a video game's Ultimate Edition would be. Mm-hmm. Well, if better means make it, making it a R-rated cut. Okay, let's just... Before we did this podcast, all three of us, upon reading about this, like, all tried to talk about our opinions about this, and now's the time. Right. Why is it R-rated? One word. Okay. And that word is Deadpool. And Deadpool's money. Deadpool, yes. Okay. Because you should emulate Deadpool with anyone that isn't Deadpool. Yeah. I, Superman is not Deadpool. I mean, let's put that flat out, right, in case anybody's been mistaking it. Superman is not Deadpool. But You're I t- thought Deadpool wore, wore a cape. No capes. No capes. <laughs> actually, the, um, the R-rated version was actually shot before Deadpool was even released and became extremely popular. This is actually because uh, the director... Um, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah the thought. director is Zack Snyder. When he shot this film, he shot as a radar film and as like this gigantic film. The execs didn't like it. They they wanted to cut it down, and it is rated R for violence only. And that's part of the thing because we were look all looking at this trailer, and we couldn't figure out you know why this would be rated R at all. There was no scenes that expressly pointed out like this is somebody's head going through a wall. This ain't your dad, Superman. <laughs> uh, that was established a long time ago. But <laughs> but the big thing was that there were elements in that trailer that actually fleshed out the main story. It made it more cohesive. You could actually see, okay, this thing happened. That's why you know all of these effects of news programs, of fallout in the world, you know, why they would think these type of things. You know what? This is a perfect example of executive meddling into things that they didn't understand because uh you compare you compared deadpool earlier deadpool perfect example almost never got made wouldn't have gotten made if someone didn't leak the test footage leak leak yeah leak quote unquote quote unquote uh wouldn't have gotten made if like the they forced hands off of like if it wasn't crowdfunded well, i will not crowdfunded but like if it didn't have the support of the actual fan base as much as it did wouldn't have gotten made if the execs had anything to do with it. Batman v Superman is just showing, we think this can make money, so we're going to make it, but we're still going to force it to be what we think sells to the kids. And the thing is, there's another movie in relatively recent memory that had the same type of hands-on attitude, like, you know, we're going to shoehorn in all this stuff, and that was Spider-Man 3. Yay, Spider-Man 3. And Fan-4-Stick. Fan-4-Stick. <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, no, that's actually perfect because that's I'm Studio pre- Meddling. Like he, the guy who made Fantastic wanted to make something good. Studio's like, no, this is uh, this is like audience won't like this. You're dumb. We've never, we don't understand how to make movies, but we have the money, so we will tell you how to make the movies. We know best. We hold the paycheck. Yeah. But I mean, I. I still don't believe that Batman and Superman should be as dark as they have made them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Even if they are doing the Dark Knight Returns storyline for Batman, which it should have been its own set of films, or they already did it, you know, with the Dark Knight Rises and th- that, those in nature. Even though, well, not going to yeah. get into that different show. Okay. Um, but the thing is, Superman is not dark. Period. You know, he's, he's supposed to be the boy scout of the universe you know he's always the good guy he always does the right thing you know and to be fair when i saw the original trailers for batman vs superman i thought they were running him through the mud you know that they were just you know stomping on the cape you know and just making him to not be that character but the actor that they had play superman in there he had a ton of heart in this movie he knew who he was supposed to be he was trying his best to be able to be the kind of person that um, the Kents wanted him to be. And he was trying to do good. If this actually is true, what they were trying to do in this, right up until Act 3, of being the darkest before the dawn type of storyline, I can kind of see where they're going with that. But calling this an R-rated cut is just for money. They could have easily called this a director's cut, and nobody would have had a problem with that at all. That is true. I think that they called it an R-rated cut because of Deadpool. Because the studio execs will try to copy what they think is good with a movie without truly understanding why that thing is good with the movie. Like, Deadpool's R-ratedness. It's not just the fact that it's an R-rated movie. It's the fact that the character of Deadpool is so, like, interest... Like, it it has to be R-rated to be Deadpool because he's such a, like juvenile character in that sense you would think that dc would have known this from the last time Zack snyder made a massive movie called watchmen (laughs) you know here's here's my guess on this this is this is a total guess i'm going to guess that batman v superman is going to be a like ultimate edition is going to be a seven like i don't think that no matter what I'm pretty sure Zack Snyder would have had had too many things that the, uh, the company was telling him to like force in to make it a really good movie, quote-unquote. But I think it's actually going to be as good a movie as it should be, like, with the Ultimate Edition adding in all the stuff that was taken out. If I'm correct, that's what they're doing, yeah? Yeah, they're adding in, like, individual, like, 30-second clips of each area that add in, you know, one plot point here, one plot point there. That um, if you were just to take them by themselves, yeah, they don't add that much to individual elements, but they add a lot to the overarching story. Yes. So, uh, just to end this topic, if you are interested in seeing this R-rated Batman v Superman movie, it'll Which be... Which has Barbara Gordon in it. Is she actually Barbara Gordon? Yes, she is. Okay. Well, uh, it'll be out on digital on June 28th, and it'll be out on Blu-ray on July 19th. So that way it can ruin your childhood for the second time. Actually, I'm going to be honest, I think this one's not going to be that bad. But going into movies that I also hope aren't that bad, because they're sort of going into a lighter tone, because they realize dark and brooding works with Batman, but no one else. Dark, brood, 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 brood. Brood, dark, 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 dark. Flash. Yeah, try to make Flash dark and brooding. Not gonna happen. <laughs> I am the Flash. I'll be back in a flash. Boom, 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 boom. I just killed a man. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Flash movie happening. Uh, Cyborg is gonna be in it. That's really cool because you're taking two of the more jokey DC characters mm-hmm. and putting them together. It's gonna be a buddy flick. They're they're gonna be riding in a car. Like, with sunglasses on. Like, At midnight. Yeah, and it's like, alright, there's crime happening in this city. We just gotta go out there and fight it. And then the immediate uh, thing after that is, why are you in a car? <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, it's been confirmed that this will be a lighter tone film. Yay. That can, only, that can either be good, or they could 
make lighter tone. They, they could misconstrue lighter tone with kitty friendly. And they have already said that they are trying to aim for a younger demographic with this. Oh boy, I'm 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 a little bit worried about that because that means that this movie, like now, obviously this isn't confirmed that they're doing a very 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 kitty thing. But if they do that, that means that a kitty movie like The Flash would be set in the same universe as Batman v Superman's R-rated Ultimate Edition. That does help, though. I mean, we, we've seen it in a lot of different storylines before. Uh, Flashpoint, great example, where Flash is the heart of the Justice League. Without that, everybody goes dark brood, you know, yes. murder brawl. But um, having Flash lightened Arrow to a certain point, it gave it a good counterbalance. That is true. My counterpoint, though, is if you're trying to appeal to a very younger audience, that like that's not going to go as well as trying to appeal to a more moderate, like, range of audience. Because with Flashpoint Paradox, comics, little children generally, like, it's it's not aimed towards them specifically. They might read them, but it's not aimed towards them. Flashpoint, and uh, with, with the Flash being in the Justice League and being the heart of it, he's the comic relief, because without it, there would be just a lot of brooding, such as Arrow's Season 1 and 2, which Arrow's I'm good. Batman. Arrow's good. <laughs> It's substitute Batman, but, like, I'm just a little bit worried about the... I I'm worried that it's going to go too kitty as opposed to be just a fun flick. Okay, well, going off of stuff that's trying to be fun, Captain Jack, you know, one of the runaway characters from Doctor Who, you know, made Torchwood what it was possible, great uh, actor on Arrow with John, John Barrowman. John Barrowman. I almost got to see him one day, but then he got out, he walked out of the building as I was walking into it. It was very disappointing. Right, and a friend of mine actually ended up cosplaying him three years running over Motor City. <laughs> so they are bringing the cast back together again. They just finished uh, recording this for an audio drama that's going to be releasing later this year in uh, November. It's, gonna, it's available right now for pre-order for $20 US uh, or whatever your regional equivalent is. Honestly, it sounds like they are going to be completely ignoring the events of Miracle Day. What? So, this is official BBC. This is not stars. This is not you know, other things that have gone on. They may not address it. But, from what I have heard, that is not going to be a part of the storyline. Really? Yeah. That is very interesting, because by the end of Miracle Day, there were two new cast members. So, either they're going to be pretending that Miracle Day... Which, I think that's a little bit of a mistake, because Miracle Day was an interesting storyline, if not... It, despite not being the best, because I love Torchwood, I've seen... I, I watched it as much as I could. Season 1 was not that... Or season 1 was good, Season 2 was better, Season 3 was great, Season 4 went back to Season 2. Miracle Day was about as good as Season 2, and Children of Earth was just great, absolutely wonderful, <laughs> I loved it so much. Anyway, Miracle Day, it ends on a point where there's no going back to... Uh, how the ending of Children of Earth was. There's new cast members now, and Torchwood, as an idea, is in a different place. So, it disappoints me that they're, they either they're doing it like before Miracle Day happened, or they're just ignoring that it happened entirely, which is sad, because I liked Miracle Day. Like, it, There's a ton of things that are possible. I mean, we're dealing with a show that does time travel, you know... That is true. Timey-wimey stuff on yeah. a weekly basis, so... Uh, we'll see what happens when that comes. So guys, I hope you enjoyed the video. Please leave a like, a comment, and subscribe if you like. And uh, let us know in the comment section what you thought of this video. Uh, did you enjoy it? And we will see you in the next video. Goodbye. Yay.